Hey, how you doing? You with Jamal Williams and you listening to Roster Watch. Gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, here, of course, with Byron Lambert. Make sure you go to Roster Watch, get a pro subscription. Go download the cheat sheet. The PPR cheat sheet is now available. All the cheat sheet products will be coming available. This is the culmination and the boiling down of all of our offseason intelligence, everything that we know at Roster Watch to help you dominate your fantasy drafts. The cheat sheet is magical and it is mystical. Uh, an expert quality draft is guaranteed if you follow the three simple rules, but do not bastardize the cheat sheet by breaking the rules. With all that said, Byron, what the hell's going on, brother? Oh, man, just staying busy, just getting ready for redraft season here. Man, you got to realize training camp start popping here. It, it, what's crazy, I was, I was listening to John Clayton on the radio a day or two ago with our good friend Phil Savage. Actually, both of those guys are our friends, friends sure of Roster are. Watch. And uh, there's, a, there's a team, I think it's the Ravens, that has rookies reporting as early as like – like they're reporting in the next like, couple I, of days. I, I think it's man. a week away that the Ravens rookies report or something. Is it July 11th or no, something or 16th? It was, yeah, it was, something, it was something extraordinarily soon. And then the thing is the rookies are in and then the vets didn't come in for a while after that. And they're, they, they're one of the early camps. But somehow because of the way that it can be set up with the rookies coming in, they're coming in. It's the earliest I've hey, ever heard. Hey, before we get into this, like I have a question for you. I had a dream last night. And I'm not really thinking about doing this, but I woke up today thinking about it. I had a dream that I cut out all carbs. How long do, how long do you dream. think I could keep that going if, if I tried to do it? All carbs. How long do you think you could keep that going? It's a hard one, man. It's it's kind of actually something I'm currently working on. It's well, very I mean, difficult. I've, I've done a lot to cut out carbs in my life over the course of the last couple of years. It's just been, you know, I, I don't really eat bread anymore. And I used to eat just a ton of bread. But just I was thinking about if you cut out all carbs, that would mean, for one, no alcohol. For two, no, like, berries or any kind of – like, berries and sugar, like, fruits and stuff, that has carbs, right? Because it has sugars in it. Even though they're good, sh- yeah, I think that I mean that's you can live with those kind of carbs a little bit. You can't have them in high high quantities, right? Well, how long do you think you could live? With you can no live with carbs? a little bit of that. How long could you go? Like what I? Well, there's no. I mean, I think there's even carbs and vegetables. I mean, so what would you? I mean, I, I mean, I agree that mainly just getting to a to a veg mostly vegetable based plant based diet with a bunch of lean protein mixed in, and that being your only sustenance is and it would be an extraordinary diet i think you could go a while it's a mental game i mean your body could go for a while you would drop weight and you would lean out so quick man your body composition would 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 change 
quickly. You know, you brought up that intermittent fasting that one time when we talked a little bit about George St. Pierre. One thing I forgot to mention is he he ha- he measures his body composition in one of those pods like we see at the NFL Combine those every are year. Amazing. And he said just after a routine of intermittent fasting and kind of like feeding windows, even though over over some period of time, even though his weight didn't change at all, his body composition changed just by going from a, like a normal several meals a day to that, and he went to a much leaner, more muscular uh, version of that same exact weight. So. Just in, interesting how how all of that works, man. My main thing is you got to get rid of the, really do have to get rid of the beer and mostly the alcohol. You got to get rid of the bread. You got to get rid of um, the rice. You got to get rid of the, the pasta, potatoes, the pizza, the pasta. All of that has to go, man. Which basically, which and, basically and makes your life like me. <laughs> I can't. It, it, yeah, it, it doesn't and, and, all and have I, to go, but you need to watch it. You need to watch it. It, it needs to make, for a guy like me. It mainly needs to go, and then even tr- truthfully, even high calorie things like once you get to a point where you're happy, you can eat, reintroduce them. But honestly, I could cut out cheeses and nuts oh, too. I couldn't. And then I what couldn't. is that? What it's what I would need. It, it, I could, it would be really good for me to do that for a while. What that would leave me with is mainly vegetables, hopefully low sugar fruits, low, so like low glycemic fruits proteins and and that's pretty much it it's a pretty pretty boring life man it's real <laughs> it's tough. tough i was and i was gonna say i don't think that i could uh, even though i don't want to start any kind of diet like this i was just thinking about how long i could do it or if i could even could but um you would feel amazing dude you would feel like a new and reinvented i, I already person. do feel amazing like a new and reinvented person because i'm having to redo the i'm, I'm having to make structural changes to the cheat sheet that feel new and amazing. I'm going to talk to you about them in, in one second. But the reason why I the reason why I knew I couldn't start it right now is because I believe are we still going to the NFFC up in Dallas? Is is that next week? Well, we're going to need to talk about that offline after the podcast. Okay, so we'll talk about it offline. But if I'm going up to Dallas for some kind of fantasy event, there's no way I'm not going to go up there and you know drink a few beers and stuff like that. Couple of car yeah. bombs. Um, all right, but anyway, so so back to the uh, back to the cheat sheet. I had this Sirius XM Invitational Fourth of July Invitational where I was the defending champion uh, last year, and you know we run all these simulations and and we do uh, we have the different computer programs that uh, you know scrape data from all the different ADP sites. We have uh, all the great tools available to us as providers over at Fantasy Pros to be able to kind of test this stuff. We have a million different tools at our disposal to simulate what people are going to be doing in live drafts to be able to build the cheat sheet to where it is designed and where the skeleton is is made um, to where it just creates leverage against ADP, right? To where we're, uh, we're going to be taking value at every turn. And what I found yesterday in this Sirius XM Experts draft is I think that the simulations thus far have underestimated the absolute fervor with which people are going to be hoarding running backs early in fantasy drafts. People are maniacal right now about going running back early in these drafts. In the first two rounds, Byron, of that thing yesterday, 16 of the, 20, 16 of the 24 first picks in the first two rounds – 
And this was a PPR league, no kicker, no defense, and a, a tight end premium, two tight end league. 16 of the top 24 picks were running backs. And it didn't stop. You know, running backs are being overvalued at this point in time. And it made me end up on a strategy that, to be honest, was a little bit scary to start with. But I liked the way that my team turned out. I had to go with I, I went with wide receiver. I picked at the 11 hole, and I, and, the, and I used the cheat sheet. I followed the cheat sheet. Only once or twice did I have to reach for running backs, and I only had to maybe go one or two spots to reach for them. That was for Darius Geis, and then uh, once I reached a tiny bit for on Johnson. But I ended up with a team in this draft that, I, I, I mean, I'm happy going to war with, and I had to use basically what was a zero RB strategy. Well, it's the Mike Clay from the FSTA experts draft, right? Right. And he was getting he was hailed and applauded for that widely at being kind of a sharp strategy, being a sharp player there and zigging when everybody zagged, which is historically what Roster Watch likes to do. You know, it it still blows my mind, and it's crazy, even with the experts. So maybe it's because they're some of the oldest and stodgiest. You see these guys at these events, man, they've been doing it for a long time. And it's just unbelievable that after all these years, there's still these folks that come to the table with preconceived, premeditated draft <laughs> strat- crazy, strategies right? and cockamamie plans that just don't serve them well in terms of maximizing value. That's what we're here for is we're here to maximize value intuitively at every single turn that's what the cheat sheet does it informs you exactly who to pick with every pick in your draft to maximize that value you don't you don't even have to think about a thing right and you know sometimes that's the way that this that the that the whole thing swings when these guys all come in with their heavy strategies it works to your favor and just really opens some daylight they're um kind of being a contrarian early and you know us man we're comfortable with a lot of these Especially this is a PPR format, yeah, correct? Yes. We're very comfortable with a lot of these mid, mid-round mid running well, backs. Just, let me tell you what happened. So basically, the, the draft went – Zeke went first overall, which we're starting to see that more and more. <laughs> I mean – It was the John no, Hansen. No, it was Colton and the Wolfman. I, I would take Zeke number one overall in every format yeah. and have no problem. I think that it's – I think you can. I think he's, I think he's as safe an option as any other option – He's not built into the PPR cheat sheet to take that early. But I think that there can be a conversation with Zeke Elliott and, and David Johnson, which one of those guys you're going to be taking. It's, it's just what's interesting to me is that there's a – Over Le'Veon Bell? I would really thought it would be Le'Veon Bell atop the perch there. No, well, I mean, I, I prefer Gurley and Le'Veon Bell over either of those guys. But I'm saying when you get to three, I think, in, in, in PPR – I think Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson, you can, you know. And, you know, what I heard, I've, I've heard our guy Jeff Radcliffe talk about this on his uh, radio show and on his podcast before about, you know, he hates getting asked the question what the best pick is in fantasy because he says obviously the best pick in fantasy is the number one pick. If you get the number one pick, obviously the best pick is the number two and the be- then the next best is number three. He's very simplistic about it like that, and his argument does make sense, Right. But I honestly think this year my favorite pick in drafts is pick four. Because uh, to me it's a toss-up. Zeke, Gurley, Bell, David Johnson, I don't care. I'll take any one of those guys. And if I can get an earlier pick in the second round, I would rather have that earlier pick in the second round than have to choose between any of those guys. 
So to me, any of the first four picks, I'm fine with. I just, I, you know, as I've been doing, as as I've been digging in more and more and thinking more and more and, and putting all the pieces together, I just think David Johnson, Zeke Elliott is sort of the kind of the toughest hair to split between all these guys. And a lot represents a lot of value yeah. there. Hey, you know what? Some people just really like to watch the big dog eat, including myself. It's really enjoyable to own Zeke Elliott throughout a fantasy season. It's got to be. But anyway, so what happened to this draft? So you had the big we, – we'll just call him the big four that went first, right? Saquon goes at five, Antonio Brown at six, and then three more runners, Kamara – Saquon at five. I can I love I can live at number five too. Boy, well, I love no, that. No, because pick. you get five, you get Saquon at five, or you have the you have the opportunity to take Antonio Brown. You oh, know? That's so just five dirty. is a fine pick too. It's gotta be Antonio five Brown. Five is a fine pick too. And, and so then you you wouldn't mind six because it's either gonna be Saquon or Antonio Brown. Yeah. So I think any of those oh, I think God. around pick seven, you that's when it's like in this draft, it went Kamara, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, and then it wasn't until Howard Bender at pick 10 where another wide receiver went off the board, DeAndre Hopkins, um, Odell Beckham to me at pick 11. Okay, and then – I mean, should, shouldn't, it, shouldn't it be Hopkins, Fournette, or Kamara at seven, really, truthfully, when you get to the bottom of it? Well, yeah, I think it should be – Oh, if it were – if. It, if it were me drafting, well, this this draft went Camara, Camara at seven, Gordon at eight, Fournette at nine. If if that were a member of Roster Watch Nation drafting, it would have gone so, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It would have been Odell Beckham, Hopkins, Fournette, Kareem Hunt, one of those guys. But it would but it, it would it would go like this. Hopkins. What about Kamara? Kamara would have been off the board for us. So, yeah, it would have been Kamara first, Hopkins second, Fournette third. Would, would have been our options there at seven. That's how, that, that that's how we pretty, would have picked there. Sounds pretty right, man. Odell Beckham right and in then that Odell same Beck, I mean, slot to, too, toss, man. It's a toss-up between Odell Beckham and Leonard Fournette, the way the cheat sheet, the, the way 1.4 currently has it baked in. And that's what I wanted to get to is the, this whole thing about the running backs. It's not just the, it's not just the early round running backs. It's, it's like our, our fallback plans that we had had baked in, specifically the Ronald Joneses, the Rashad Pennies. You know, the Deion Lewis's, the Royce Freeman's, all of these guys are going earlier and earlier. We had, we had, I mean, we had Kenyon Drake, for the, take this draft, for example. We had Joe Mixon in this one, a, another huge fallback option for Roster Watch Nation, when at the end of the second round, we've been getting him in the mid-third to early fourth round. Kenyon Drake went in the early third. Christian McCaffrey, who I'm growing more and more weary of, Seems like he's the only one that really fell in this scenario to the mid-third. And then we have Rashad Penny and guys like Alex Collins going in the late third round in this experts draft. I don't know if that's just because this is an experts draft and it's these expert players who are eating up these running backs like, you know, like a, some kind of Pac-Man machine or something like that. But I've, I've made some changes to the skeleton of the cheat sheet because I don't want, even though I like the way my draft turned out, I don't necessarily want people pushed in this way to take zero running back and I think that if you pick it pick 11 
and you get in this kind of hyper-aggressive sort of draft the way that this draft was for running backs, I think I need a little bit more safeguards built in because I'll tell you how this, how this draft went for me. You can tell me what, what, what you think. Round one, Odell Beckham. I came back around, and I took Julio Jones. So I started out with Odell Beckham, Julio Jones. When it comes back around to me in the third, I took another wide receiver. I took T.Y. Hilton because T.Y. Hilton could be a top five wide receiver in fantasy next year. This league has three wide receiver slots and two flex slots, and I'm, I'm not going to take – you know, Derrick Henry or Deion Lewis or Jay Ajayi or somebody over T.Y. Hilton in that spot. So I took T.Y. Hilton. I came right back around. Like I said, I was on the 11, so these picks aren't back-to-back, but they're close to back-to-back. And By the way, what great value on Julio Jones, who I was getting quite a bit of in the, the, at the end of my best ball drafts here recently. I mean, Julio Jones, Odo Beckham, T.Y. Hilton, and then my next two picks were Darius Geis and Mark Ingram. And I feel like that's, a, you know, Mark Ingram, I'm not going to be able to use him to use him to start. But once he comes back, he comes right into the you know, right into the running back one conversation again. Darius Geis, we have the news from Jay Gruden saying that he looks like he's cemented as the starter already. Uh, this is a tight end premium league. And in this league, I was able to correctly choose when the tight end run was going to start. It started in the sixth round right after these guys went. So I picked Greg Olson right then. I started a massive tight end run right after me. Went Delaney Walker, Jimmy Graham, Kyle Rudolph, and Trey Burton. So I feel like I got the best of that tight end. I always love it when I start the run, right? Um, and, and so that was, you know, I got Greg Olson, so I got a real soldier there at my first tight end slot. And then I went three more running backs straight in a row. I peeled off Carrion Johnson, Tevin Coleman, and Jamal Williams. Um, I really liked the Jamal Williams pick there at the end of the ninth round. Because while Mark Ingram is serving his suspension, I'm going to get Jamal Williams sans Aaron Jones for the first two weeks at least. And then I can cobble together something between Tevin Coleman, Carrion Johnson, and Naheem Hines, who I picked up a lot later in the draft there, along with Darius Geis in those first two weeks before Mark Ingram gets back, where I might not be using Jamal Williams. Of course, I got Anthony Miller as I get in all of our drafts. Of course, I got Vance McDonald, who I got in most of our drafts, as my tight end, too. Picked up some interesting pieces like Jordy Nelson. I couldn't believe I got Rashard Matthews in the 14th round of this draft. Uh, took Derek Carr with my final pick. Just figure that'll be something where I stream quarterback. So I feel like even though I had to, you know, the cheat sheet had me be a little bit, had me feeling a little bit squirrely at first. I feel like it, 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 it turned out with a pretty well-rounded team. I'm just not sure that I want any members of Roster Watch Nation to get into a hyper-aggressive draft. And here's the thing, man. Like, the people who are going to be drafting against, they're going, to be using the, they're going to be using the products and the rankings and the stuff from you know, other fantasy contributors. A lot of these, you know, from these other sites you know, that were drafting in this deal. So some of these sites have different philosophies. And I'm, I'm just, I'm having to, I'm having to, I'm having to change the, change the, the sheet just a small bit in order to push running backs up just a, just a little bit. Like, cause I'd, I'd just like to ask you some of these questions. All right. Well, that always happens every year when you design the cheat sheet. Throughout the process, you have to make small adjustments as, to the skeleton. As an architect, the running backs will always get pushed up. It's, it's just, just a natural it progression, but it reopens 
it reopens value. other it always opportunities it always to leverage does. value. And yeah, it doesn't matter what shape ADP takes. The, the cheat sheet the always corrects cheat for sheet it. is is yeah. is it a morph it's yes. amorphous and always corrects for it and re-represents that value and just whatever the latest manifestation is, you know, based on current ADPs. And honestly, I mean in a in a PPR experts draft that's that aggressive. I mean, you know, to win those leagues, you've got to be strong at wide receiver. I mean, just you, you have to. With that format that you ran against those players, with uh, those roster constraints, and um, you know, in PPR, you can't win that if you're not strong at wide receiver. So you came out of that really smelling like a rose, and you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to play matchups with your running backs, which is. Are, a, a very sound strategy in and that kind of format. And besides playing Matt, I think I'm going to start Darius Geis every week. I think I'm going to start Mark Ingram every week once he gets started. But then, yeah, you play matchups at the flex spots, and basically your top three starting wide receivers, Julio, Odell Beckham, T.Y. Hilton, you're going to start those three guys every week. So, Well, and let's not forget that you're confident that you're going to either pull off some big time. Really fruit, trades fruitful or, trades, or you're going to cultivate waiver wire gold using the waiver wire cheat sheet every week of the season. The 2018 Roster Watch cheat sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet that changed fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch cheat sheet. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, an expert quality draft, is guaranteed. It's magical. It's mystical. It's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. It is only at rosterwatch.com. Okay, so I was going to ask you a couple quick questions just about as I'm sort of not, you know, as I'm, as I'm sort of just re-engineering a few specific spots on this sheet to make sure that we at least have a good choice between a top running back and a top wide receiver, most specifically there through the second round with our second pick in the draft. Um, You wanted to get to some stuff that's coming out of Arizona. So let's go ahead and hit on that. Well, just interesting tidbit coming from star cornerback Patrick Peterson this week, right? Right. right around the 4th of July holiday, just how impressed he's been with young first-round rookie quarterback Josh Rosen out of UCLA. He really said Rosen has truly blown his mind so far, and this was noteworthy to me just because it comes on the heels of a similar sentiment from another grizzled veteran and pro bowler LaShawn McCoy up in Buffalo about his rookie quarterback in Josh Allen. Now, Patrick Peterson went on to, to say that Sam Bradford's definitely looks looks good and is on track to certainly be the starter of this team, um, but that just he's impressed and with Rosen and then if Rosen has to play, he's feeling pretty confident that he'll be able to to do so functionally even as a rookie. And so, just as a football fan, as a draft fan, as somebody who analyzes and evaluates these players coming out as rookies, somebody who's been all over this rookie quarterback narrative from early early on and just deep down in the throes of this thing this is it's just really really compelling to see these star veterans at the running back and cornerback position coming out and saying that about these young guys and you know we'll see what it translates to 
you know, for fantasy this year, but certainly makes me f- feel better about dynasty prospects on both of those teams and just overall excited and hopeful for these young quarterbacks. Like I said, man, what this we all of a sudden now we have 12 new potential young star quarterbacks that have come into this league in the last, I want to say what, three, three to four drafts. So we've almost turned over half that half the league. So anyways, exciting stuff. And look, I've been in on Christian Kirk because of this. I think he's good with Bradford. I think he's good with Rosen. We heard it from Peterson here. How long is he going to be? How long is he going to be before Bradford? Do you think Bradford's not going to stay healthy, right? Rosen's playing this year. And look, talk about your David Johnson shares. A lot of people are going to have a lot of David Johnson shares this year. Yeah, part of that equation has to be because you trust Josh Rosen. Yeah, and, and the well, you and you figure that hopefully. Here's the thing: Sam Bradford, when he's healthy, is good, right? So you figure he's going to probably at least get him off to a decent start. The defenses in that league, I mean, I guess they're. You can't. You, I was going to say that maybe they're, maybe the defenses in that league are starting to kind of you know, not be what they really were, but simply because of Seattle not being as good. But you have now you have the 49ers seemingly on the uptick with some at least with some of their young You're personnel. gonna have to put up points. Then, you're gonna have to it's score. Gonna be hard to score against the Rams though. But I mean I, I feel like you're but I think with most of those teams, like like we said, the Rams are good. You could score against a Wade Phillips defense though. It will be hard. They're suffocating as they got personnel yeah, they, on all they, levels. They, I don't want to get over my right, skis right. on they're that. Re- they're they're gonna be really good. But Seattle's not going to be anything like it used to be. And like I said about San Francisco, they have good young personnel, but I, I don't think anybody thinks that they've put it together and they're ready to turn the corner to, to um, being some kind of uh, defense like they used to have, you know, with the, you know, prime era, Navarro Bowmans and such. So I, I, I don't know. I think that that's going to be a – that's definitely going to be a division that isn't what we're used to it being defensively. And so I think if you can get anything – Here's the, David Johnson's just a just such an elite player on his own, and I just that stat man on in, in from the uh, monsters and busts uh, cheat sheet or the monsters and bust tool that I put up at Roster Watch last week. I mean the fact that in, in qualifying games that he's gone over 25 points in PPR, 52 percent over half the time he gets you 25 points in PPR. He is that offense, but you still have Larry Fitzgerald. I think if there's any semblance of decent quarterback play there and that offensive line can hold up in Arizona, Christian Kirk is going to be a beneficiary. He just, he just has to, right? He just has to. Yeah, so those, those leads to two questions for me. I mean, a big question, we heard Brandon Marianne Lee talking about her concerns with the Texans' offensive line as it related to, the, to Deshaun Watson. And, you know, I've wondered, are, are people sleeping on that same question with the quality of this Cardinals' offensive line, which if you watched last year just – Abysmal. I mean, it was – the one of them just a steaming so, shit pile ruined, of a sandwich. <laughs> it ruins your fantasy season if you were invested in anything around it. Maybe Larry Fitzgerald did, did you something last year, but it was just that line was so pathetic. I can't believe it. So I mean, is it better? I mean, you do look and you realize they did bring I mean, in Andre Smith and Justin Pugh. Justin Pugh, a first round pick. I mean, DJ Humphreys, the left tackle, was a first round pick. Right, he hasn't been that good, but he was a first round pick in 2015. Mike Upati is a good yeah. veteran player. I think it's a real wait, a and, wait see. and see. There's some potential I mean, on this line. 
I don't think that that's his. I don't think that they're in the same dire straits it's, as the Buffalo Bills, and people don't talk well, about that. What about I'm Shane. saying is, I, I think when you look at it, you have to believe on paper that the line has improved and it's better. Well, it's got to it be better. Be so we'll we'll give we'll give them that. But I'm not thrilled about the names on on the on this starting starting five, and I'm not sure that they have much behind them either if they do suffer an injury. So speaking of, the, we'll I'm sorry, see. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. No, just something to watch with Speaking the Cardinals. Speaking of the um, Cardinals' bad offensive line and the Buffalo Bills, I just want to ask you a couple things as I restructure the beginnings of version 1.4 of the Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, which you can find available at rosterwatch.com probably a little bit later today as we record Thursday morning. Uh, we'll try and get another pod to you guys with the trash. What the hell is the trash man been doing lately? He hasn't put up any articles. Has he told you what the hell he's doing? I haven't heard a that thing, fucking man. Dirt ball. Jesus. Hey, he got he got his 10 to 12 week work schedule <laughs> for the summer back in May and we'll, we'll see if just he gets it done. When, he I can, listeners of this program definitely know that he's like he really is a freeloader. We don't we don't make this stuff up. Okay. So LaShawn McCoy, who do you take? LaShawn McCoy or Devontae Adams? Boy, I think you got it. Probably got to take LaShawn McCoy, especially in light of what the, happened in your extra LaShawn McCoy draft. or Michael Thomas? Probably LaShawn McCoy. Yikes. Really? Okay. Um, Dalvin Cook or Julio Jones? Julio Jones. Melvin Gordon or Julio Jones? Melvin Gordon, right? That's, they should probably be tied okay. on the what, sheet. Do you think Dalvin Cook and Keenan Allen should be tied? That's probably pretty reasonable, yeah. As long as that means you're still a little bit high on Keenan Allen, do sure. you think? Might be hard to be high on Keenan Allen this okay, year. Okay, so this is hard now. What about LaShawn McCoy or um, LaShawn McCoy and Michael Thomas? Did you answer that one? I think you said LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, what Shane about Devonte Freeman or Michael Thomas? I think that's a those guys should probably be even if it was up to me. So you like Lashawn McCoy better than Devonte Freeman by what you just said? I think you have to. Okay, so here's what I'll do. I'm going to take Shady and Devonte Freeman. I'm going to flip these guys. I am going to now ask you you and you like. You like all men, everybody we've mentioned so far more than Mike Evans, correct? With the James situation, news. I'm you know. Have we gone sour on Mike Evans? No, I'm think. I mean, I think. Do you like? Do you like Mike Evans more than Michael Thomas? With without with Ryan Fitzpeep for four games. I can see that. I'm I not sure that I hate. Yeah. I'm, 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 just, right. I'm worried. I think Evans goes right behind Thomas. I mean, honestly, if I had to rank NFL wide receivers just from a scouting perspective, well, I would have but, Michael I mean, Thomas over well, Mike we, Evans. We, we play in a game of situations and analysis and surrounding yeah. cast. Well, I like a lot of situations with Drew Brees in a dome and uh, Sean Payton. Sure do. What about Joe? Uh, where does Joe Mixon fall in this? Ca- if, if, if you had these players to pick from, Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, Doug Baldwin, Joe Mixon, and Jordan Howard. 
how do you where would you sort those guys out if you're picking at the end of the second round and that's what's available to you? Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, Doug Baldwin, Joe Mixon, Jordan Howard. Obviously, if you were drafting in a real draft and you picked like David Johnson or something with the fourth overall pick, and now you come back at the end of the second, you might feel more likely, I guess, to take a wide receiver. But let's just say it's in a vacuum. I'd say Joe Mixon should likely be immediately after Devontae Freeman and likely tied with Mike Evans on the Perfect. sheet. Now where did all right, so let's then let's let's talk about T. Y. Hilton, Doug Baldwin, Jordan Howard. Um do those guys feel like they're That sounds okay, good. Okay, but man. so yeah. do you I mean do you want a decision between Jordan Howard and T. Y. Hilton or do you want a decision between Jordan Howard and Doug Baldwin? Or does it feel better to have um T. Y. Hilton and I want a decision between Jordan Howard and T. Y. Hilton. Okay. And so you want that. Now, let me ask you this. Now, here's where it becomes hard. Christian McCaffrey. I don't know that I like him in the same, like, I don't know that. I like him with Doug Baldwin. That's pretty good. What about with Thielen? You like him with Baldwin? Like him with Baldwin. Okay. You got to have an out around Doug Baldwin in case you're just, some people are a little goosey there, but just because it's like the doctrine you always talk about with the Seahawks offense. You, every year you come in, you project something is going to be situationally better and this and this and that, but it just always feels like a slow start around there up in sleepless in Seattle, man, in your fantasy team early on in the season with that offensive, so the offense. I know Baldwin should get more targets and we were, we were, in the lead on the industry, I'm predicting Russell Wilson's career monster last year. You know, so. But I, th- I like I like McCaffrey there. I like McCaffrey there. Uh, just one notch higher and up then there. One last thing. I they've been saying that they're going to split up carries in Miami with Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore. Does that move Darius Geis above Kenyon Drake for you, just in a vacuum? Because I, I, I don't think I know we don't. I, yes. I know we don't need to put these. All, all right, let's hear your case for why Darius Geis over Kenyon Drake. I mean, I'm surprised I even well, have just, to make just, one. I thought just the case doesn't it doesn't the case speak for itself? Way far better player and runner than Kenyon Drake. Better offensive line. Better team, better quarterback. I mean, it's just a better situation, period, than it is for Kenyon Drake. Less threats, too. I'm not, we, look, we, we like Chris Thompson. We know what he is. I'm not worried about Samaje Oatmeal Pants P. Ryan or Rob Fatboy Kelly not even going to make the team. Kenyon Drake has legit – Frank Gore's. this is a homecoming for Frank Gore, man. He's about to play. He's not sitting on the bench down in Miami, man. He's about to be – he's about to get be getting some snaps for sure. And like we said, Kalen Balaj, you guys know that have followed us. Uh, big uh, – Kalen Balaj had good evaluations for us and was really good throughout the draft season and is a guy that can come in and do – Basically, everything Kenyon Drake can do, that offense doesn't have to change. So he's going to threaten Kenyon Drake as well uh, throughout the season. So the, I see a timeshare in Miami. Darius Geis is in a timeshare that he sh- is – it starts as a timeshare, but it sh- 
I mean, that's one he should run away with, right? I mean, look, we've seen it with Fournette and Zeke and all these guys. They come in with the Chris Ivories, the Darren McFaddens. These guys are sent packing quick, these old veterans, when these young young studs come out and start you know, sh- you know, know, showing their true colors. So I don't think it'll be long for guys to take that job over, man. Darius Geis will be the steal of 2018 redraft leagues in the early fourth round. 